We want to welcome you back to the Heights Podcast. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. And thanks for joining us for this episode. At Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And we use this podcast to talk about issues of faith, culture, and the church. And uh, today I'm joined again by Pastor Jonathan McBeans. Pastor Jonathan, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be here. Thanks for being here today. I'm excited. Um, we're gonna do. We're gonna nerd out on some Bible stuff today. Love it. Love um, about it. But but before we before we get into that, I just want to ask you real quick. Following up from uh, last week's episode, how did CU at the poll go? CU at the poll was great. We had uh, we had leaders and uh, staff members all over the city of Alvin, all over the school district, and uh, I personally was at uh, Alvin High School and saw dozens of young people come in front of the flagpole to pray. Um, it was an incredible time. That was before uh, my daughter's daycare started. So I actually got to introduce my three-year-old daughter to see you at the poll as well. So that was really fun and interesting. Um, she'll do anything for donuts, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but then after that, I made my way over to uh, the junior high over at Harvey, uh, just down the road from our church, and uh, got to pray with... Um, it wasn't a very big group. It was just a handful of kids, but I love seeing junior high kids, high school kids praying for their community and their campus. And I know we were joined with um, people all over the country praying for uh, their schools, their administrator, their politicians, their community, their churches, their friends. And I have no doubt that when it comes to a gospel movement, it's always going to begin with prayer. Praise God for that. So this semester, I am teaching kind of a, an Old Testament survey class. We call, we call them equip groups um, at Heights. And so it's a six-week study um, moving through kind of the different genres of the Old Testament. So I've very much got like Old Testament on the brain right now. I'm kind of very steeped in that. I'm doing a deep dive uh, on, on some of the different areas of the Old Testament. And so I wanted to talk to you this week. I wanted to say why... Why to study the Old Testament? You know, when you think about when you think about Old Testament, um, you got to deal with talking animals. You got to deal with slavery. Uh, depending on where you're at, if you're in like kings or judges, um, you're dealing with uh, human trafficking. You're dealing with child sacrifice. Sometimes you're dealing with genocide. Um, there are very prominent Christian leaders on Twitter. Uh, who have suggested that we would just be better off if we just always taught in the New Testament and never spent time in the Old Testament. But yet I've got a couple of junior hires in our student ministry at Heights, and they're constantly coming home and telling me all about the stuff that they're learning over in the student ministry. And you've actually been covering uh, a lot of Old Testament stuff in the student ministry. And so I just am really curious, like, tell me about why. Why do you, why is it important to you to teach the Old Testament instead of doing what would maybe be easier and just only teaching about Jesus? Like, like well, tell me about that. What do you think? Well, to, to rob from uh, the Prince of, P of Preachers, uh, Charles Spurgeon, he used to say that you start with a text and you make a beeline for Christ. And no matter where you are in scripture, uh, you don't have to look very hard to find how that passage points us to Christ. And I believe that convictionally with all my heart. Uh, several years back, maybe four years ago, I developed a conviction 
to start incorporating more Old Testament into our student ministry curriculum uh, that I write and I teach. And one of the, the reasons was because we were focused on a bunch of New Testament, Pauline epistles, maybe stuff written by the Apostle John. And there's nothing wrong with those. Um, but where I got convicted uh, was since I've been at Heights just just around 12 years now, uh, I was doing James in, in a series for the third time at Heights. And I just sat back and thought, wow, I've kind of run the run the gambit on uh, the New Testament quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I just, I felt convicted to um, read the gospels. And this conviction came as I was reading that the apostles and Jesus, when they were talking, they were quoting the old Testament when they were teaching sermons, they were teaching application out of the old Testament. Mm-hmm. When Paul was planting churches, he was doing that convictionally and using the Old Testament as justification for his plants, along with his relationship with Jesus. And so if it was good enough for Jesus to teach out of the Old Testament, the apostles, Paul and John and James, to have rationale all out of the Old Testament, then we're missing out on a huge component of uh, of, of Christianity and doctrine if we choose to lay down the Old Testament just because it's easier to teach New Testament than Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, having been to seminary, Greek is way easier than Hebrew. I 100% agree. Uh, Hebrew, not not a fan of that <laughs> of that language. But um, I think when it when it comes down to it, uh, I think it's important. <clears throat> I think it's important for us to face some of those difficult topics mm-hmm. like you were talking about that the Old Testament has at face value. Um, as a youth pastor, I'm tired of students going into college and getting challenged. Of, hey, did you know that there's unicorns in the Bible? You believe in unicorns. That's ridiculous. You believe in this fairy tale God and these unicorns in the Bible and, uh, you know, you might as well believe in like the grim fairy tales as your deity or something like that. Mm-hmm. And time after time after time, I'd have these college students come to me with, well, Jonathan, why didn't you ever teach us that some of these, these things were in the Bible? And it's not just unicorns, right? It's uh, unicorns, it's genocide, it's talking donkeys, it's talking snakes, it's a, a fish that can swallow a person whole, it's... Uh, all of these different things. There, there's a there's sea monsters. There's dragons. There's all kinds of awesome stuff in the Old Testament, and I have answers. I have studied it. You have studied it, and there are like logical, rational explanations for things that are in the Old Testament, especially some of the terminology from the King James that's used in all of the memes and stuff that go around, but. I just I felt like I needed to do better at equipping our students with tools necessary to answer difficult questions and also teach the same scripture that Jesus and the apostles were teaching as well. Man, if I could just take a moment and kind of put my my dad hat on for a second and just brag on you a little bit. 
we were driving somewhere in the car a couple of days ago and Naomi said to me, she said, dad, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? And how does that work? And I just like that fascinated me because that is a very complicated. That's a very complicated thing that you wrestle with in the old Testament. Yes. But I I know that you guys have been in or in the student ministry has been in Exodus on Sunday mornings, or at least you guys were recently. Yes. Recently. Um, And so like just the fact that she at the age of 12 is wrestling with questions like that. I mean, those are important questions for kids to be wrestling with. Yes. You know, and so they, they had a great time. Uh, you When you, you were teaching us a, a series um, several weeks back called How Not to Read the Bible or something yes. like that. Yep. And I they did. loved every every night I would pick <laughs> them up and we would get around the dinner table and they would tell me all about what they were learning. They were like, Dad, did you know that there's unicorns in the Bible? They would say, you know, Dad, we talked about slavery. Dad, we talked about, you know, and there were lots of like tough issues yes. that they were wrestling with. And I'm just, I'm so grateful because... I love the fact that that my teenagers are getting exposed to God's word beyond the kind of stereotypical, you know, here's the stuff you're not supposed to do when you're a teenager who follows Jesus. Right. Right. Like because right. there, there's a lot of there's a lot of curriculum out there that's, you know, kind of geared towards, you know, don't drink, don't mess around, you know, stay out of trouble, obey your parents. You know, that's right. Of, and those Absolutely. are all things that get covered, especially when the text Speaks to those things. Right. But there's a lot more than that, like in the Bible. Right. So that particular series that we were going through uh, was largely based off of Dan Kimball's book of the same name, How Not to Read the Bible. And he goes through and takes really difficult topics. And they're not all out of the Old Testament, but some of them are out of the Old Testament. Um, We talked about things like unicorns. Um, and, uh, spoiler alert, it was probably an ox and maybe a deer. And we, uh, we would take things about, you know, bacon and shrimp and slavery and genocide. And is the Bible anti-woman? And I would take a meme that I found on the internet that was, oh, you're a Christian. You must believe Here's a out of context verse. And I would start with a anti-Christian meme that had a Bible verse and said, let's teach this. Mm-hmm. And I gave rationale. I gave thoughts behind each one. And uh, I'm somebody that's, that's always a student. I'm always trying to grow in my faith. And uh, if you've got questions on, uh, a process called hermeneutics. It's how to read and study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really, really challenge you to pick up the book, How Not to Read the Bible by Dan Kimball. Nice. I can't say that I completely agree with 100% of the things in there, uh, but it's hard to find books that I would agree with 100%. That's why you have the stamp, right? I do. I do. I have a stamp. I did not have to stamp that book, but I've stamped. I, I have a stamp for my library that's uh, heretical nonsense. <laughs> and... Uh, so there have been a few books over the years that uh, have been gifted to me or I picked up at a um, at a, a used bookstore or something that I heard a lot of people talking about. So I would pick it up and uh, it didn't have to be a theology book. Sometimes it was in Christian living or something like that. But typically with a Christian mindset and 
some of the stuff that's out there is way out of left field and it's just widely accepted as a new and fresh way of thinking that's healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to base my, my theology and my view of God on the Bible and uh, not on some uh, work of fiction or some guy's fabricated picture of who God is supposed to look like or what have you. So you've got books in your library that you don't necessarily agree with or the some that you definitely don't agree with. And so, but then sometimes you'll have like students or parents come into your, come into your office and look at your bookshelves and they'll be like, oh, you've got so-and-so's book up there. And they, they may make some assumptions. Oh, yes. And so the stamp is to let them know, I I read this, I, I've interacted with this, I've, you know, but this is not this being on my bookshelf or in my library isn't an endorsement of its content necessarily. Right. And, and that is, that is something that I try to do on a regular basis is I try to leave my echo chamber. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I do try to read from people that are outside of the Baptist faith, uh, that are outside of my demographic outside of a, a white middle class man, um, and so I try to, to be very diverse in what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you encounter um, things even within, you know, within your demographic, but sometimes you encounter books or work that is uh, so far outside of, of scripture, what we would call orthodoxy, that it really becomes difficult for me to endorse that kind of a a thought pattern Mm -hmm. or direction. And I think everybody would have that. Everybody has a a moment when they say, well, that's just not true. Um, I just put it on a stamp. It's basically my, well, that's just not true stamp, but it, it says heretical nonsense. And and it's hilarious. It's it's hilarious. (laughs) There's probably only 15 to 20 books in my whole library that have that stamp. So speaking of reading, um, I know you, you're a reader, you're constantly reading. So like, what are some books you're reading right now? Okay. So I am always reading one of the ones that I'm really sinking my teeth into, and it's a slow and heady project, um, is called Providence by John Piper. Um, that thing is so thick and it talks about how, um, the whole universe is basically, um, under the supreme rulership of God and how God allows things to happen by his divine providence mm-hmm. is just to, to lay the foundation for it. And uh, I don't agree with everything in it, um, obviously, but there's going to be, there's a lot of stuff in there that causes me to have to think mm-hmm. and to wrestle with passages that are really difficult um, because I don't want to, I don't want to throw away a thought because logically I don't like it. I want to base my scripture view on scripture and not based on what I believe logically makes more sense. Sure. And so that's one that, that is very intellectual. It's very heady and uh, can be difficult to, to sink your teeth into, but it's one that I've been, kind of slow burning through mm-hmm. uh, over the last few months. On a much uh, simpler level, I recently had a, um, a, f- a pastor friend that retired and didn't want his library anymore. So 
I got box after box after box of uh, books from this pastor. And some of it was heretical nonsense. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> you had to use the stamp. I did. I only stamped two books out of it that I think of. But oh, that's a good haul. That's a good haul. It was good. Um, but there was a whole bunch of books. Um, and one of them that just instantly drew my eye was this little bitty mass market paperback from A.W. Tozer. And I'm a, I'm a fan of A.W. Tozer, but I hadn't read this book or even heard of it. And it was called something to the tune of uh, he has now come or something like that. Um, is, it my, like, is it like about the incarnation? Uh, so it is actually about the Holy Spirit and having uh, a, uh, a church that is Holy Spirit. The reason I don't really remember the name is my three-year-old daughter ripped the cover off of it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I've been there. It, uh, so it's a very good book that I would never be able to tell you the full, uh, the full name of, or the, the, the number associated with it because it's long gone. <laughs> yeah. But, um, as I'm reading it and highlighting through it, it's, it's on a, a, a very readable level and it's talking about how, if we're going to be a Holy spirit filled church and we're going to see Holy spirit revival, take place in our church and in our community. Um, it doesn't start with a feeling. Um, it doesn't start with a, a organized event or an organized service. It starts with being a scripture centric church, Mm. basing our foundation on the word of God. And, uh, it's, it's written in a really, uh, really simple way of understanding um, I don't know if you'd ever be able to find it. Um, it's not one that I've heard of. When you think of Tozer, it's not going to be a top five Tozer book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's one that has been really intriguing for me uh, this week as I've been reading. That's very cool. the The book that I've been diving into lately is called uh, "How the Re- How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth." Have you got oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great book. It's um, it's really helpful to understand some of the technical things you need to. Um, to navigate the different genres yes. in the Bible. You know, it's it's really important. I, I think back to what we were talking about earlier about understanding some of those hard passages. Yes. And part part of one piece of understanding some of the hard passages in the Bible is understanding how Bible literature works. Right. You know, understanding, first of all, like understanding differences between narrative and poetry. Right. And then also understanding that, especially when it comes to the Old Testament, that ancient narrative doesn't function the same way modern narrative does. Absolutely. And there's a lot of questions that people have about tricky passages in the Bible or, or apparent contradictions in the Bible. If you just kind of understand the genre. And so this, this book takes different, it takes the different parts of scripture genre by genre, how to read the epistles, how to read revelation, how to read old Testament narrative, how to, how to read the law. Right. And, 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 you know, and so I found it really helpful as I've been working through with my my adult class on Sunday nights as we've been um, going through the Old Testament together. That's the approach that we've been taking is kind of genre by genre. But it's been really interesting because and of course, and I'm again, I was I was really excited about doing an Old Testament class because I love the Old Testament. Um, but I find myself talking about Jesus the whole time. That's great. But that's because. I believe very, I very much believe that the, 
that the Bible is a unifo- unified story that points to Jesus. And like, like you said, like, like that Spurgeon quote, like you just want to make a beeline for the cross. Right. You know, and so it doesn't matter what we're talking about in the, you know, in the old Testament or in the Hebrew scriptures, like we're going to, we're going to point to Jesus. Right. You know, and, and I think about like, if I could have been there for a conversation that happened in the gospels, I want to be on the road to Emmaus with Jesus with Cleopas and whoever Cleopas's friend was. It might've been his, his wife, but we're not sure. But Cleopas and Cleopas's friend or partner, they're, they're walking, they're walking to Emmaus with the resurrected Jesus and they don't recognize him. Right. And, and, and Jesus is like, Hey, so what are y'all talking about? And I'm like, well, we're talking about the fact that we thought Jesus was the Messiah, but he died, you know? And that's not what we were planning on. That's not what we were expecting. And then Jesus, the text tells us that Jesus walked him through the law and the prophets, you know, basically the whole of the Old Testament scriptures. And he showed all of the things that the scriptures communicated about him. You know, in in John chapter five, you know, Jesus says, you know, you search the scriptures, but the scriptures are about me. Right. You know, that I am the person that the scriptures testify to. And so for me as a, as a new Testament Christian, as a believer, when I read the old Testament, like I can't not see Jesus on every page. Like that's, that's the, that's the culmination of the story. Right. Absolutely. And that goes back to my, my conviction for teaching student ministry, um, teaching old Testament rather to student ministry as you see Jesus so frequently bringing in the Old Testament, talking about the law, talking about history. Uh, that's all in the Old Testament Hebrew text. And I wanted to have students that could have an understanding of the messages of some of these these prophets and the messages of uh, some of the, the wisdom literature and even have a decent understanding of the Torah. Um, and so we've recently in the last four years, when I had the conviction, we've done, uh, Daniel, we've done Haggai, uh, we've done pieces of Exodus. We did not do the whole of, of Exodus, but we did pieces of Exodus. We've done major themes out of the book of Proverbs. And, uh, recently, most recently we've actually done, uh, Jonah. And when, when we go through those, it's it's teaching familiar stories to some of these students, but it's teaching it in a way that is uh, historical. It's real, and it's got real-life application that they can take with them into their school, into their culture, and uh, it really gets them to think about the direction that they need to be going with their life. And I constantly want to be taking the old Testament and pointing to Christ. We see Jesus do that, like you were saying, but I think that, that as a church, uh, and as Christians, um, in order for us to truly be spirit filled, we really need to, uh, get back to that, that, uh, scripture centric view of, you know, from old Testament to new Testament, this is pointing to the cross. It's pointing to Jesus. And, uh, I think that you can't really have a much bigger mistake as a church than to throw out the Old Testament just for sake of ease. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So I'm thinking a lot of people try and read the Bible in a year. Yes. Uh, and it's it's a very 
typical pattern that I've heard multiple times from multiple people about. Uh, I started at Genesis one in, in January, uh, but by but by February or March, I was hitting Leviticus or I was hitting Numbers, and I had to tap out. Um, which which kind of makes me think like it's. What would be some of the strikes if if you want to be a person who studies the Bible, but you want to have kind of a well-balanced diet yeah. of Old Testament and New Testament, what would be some strategies that, that you would use to try and help people uh, be a student of the word and, and kind of balance their scriptural diet? So they're, they're not, they're not, they don't get stuck in first Chronicles and then, and then never move forward. They don't, they don't get to Leviticus and tap out, but also that they don't just, you know, only read the new Testament and never crack the old Testament. I think a couple of really decent ways to uh, teach young believers, um, not necessarily just teenagers, but really anybody that's picking up God's word for the first time is you want them to be able to see Jesus from the beginning. Um, I think Mark is a really good place to start. It kind of uh, writes like a series of, of tweets, if you will. It's really short, um, really easy to get through it, but... I think that you you also are going to need to balance some Old Testament in. Um, I recommend starting with the Psalms. Uh, while you're reading Mark, I think that there's a lot of, of back and forth that you can do with the Psalms and with the Gospel of Mark. But I think from there, um, if I were giving recommendations, I would say... Um, I would say go from Mark to one of the letters of Paul, Philippians, for example, would be a good place. And just kind of go, you know, here's the gospel, here's the Psalms, here's Philippians, here's, and that's when you can get into some minor prophets, Haggai or Hosea or Jonah, and uh, go kind of back and forth. And that way you don't get stuck. If you if you um, just pick up a Bible open to the front page like you would a, a book like it was Harry Potter or something like that you're going to maybe get through Genesis you're going to get halfway through Exodus and you're going to tap out right. um, there's going to be some stuff in there that uh, seems an awful lot like lists and because if, it's lists if you really enjoy reading grocery lists or things like that um, <laughs> you're cut from a different cloth um, cause ultimately, uh, that's not, that's not something that I find a lot of enjoyment on. Um, and even as somebody that's studied scripture a lot, I don't just camp in some of those passages. Um, it's, it's not, I'm not saying that it's not important to read and to know, but I am saying that, uh, when it comes down to it, there are other things that you can do that can be growing you in your relationship with God. That's cool. I think one of the, like probably the easiest way, if if you wanna, if you're looking at being a student of God's word and you wanna kind of balance, balance kind of your your diet of yeah. God's word, probably the easiest way to do that is just make sure that you read a passage of the Old Testament and a passage of the New Testament every day. Um, sure. My my mom has been using the same devotional book for decades. Yeah. Um, and that's the way hers is structured is there's, there's a, there's an old Testament passage and a new Testament passage that she reads as part of her daily, yeah. um, her day, her daily devotional, her daily quiet time every day. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good way to do it. And even if you were just 
even if you were doing it without like a, a book or a devotional or something, you just, you know, you want to start at Genesis one and then read Matthew one. Sure. You know, and then on day two, you could go to Genesis two and Matthew two and just kind of move that way. That that'll help you balance those two things a little bit. Um, it can. The, the way that I do it, I actually read 10 chapters a day. Which, That's crazy. Which sounds like a lot, but it's actually <laughs> like if you get into the habit of it and, and the, the idea is that you read them quickly. It, it, you don't deep dive on 10 chapters. You no. read 10 chapters quickly and then you read them over and over and over again. And so it's not a, I'm not doing like deep inductive Bible study on 10 chapters. I'm reading 10 chapters very quickly every day. Right. Um, but those, those chapters are all spread out throughout the, the canon of scripture. Sure. And so I'm getting little pieces from several of those different genres. So that means when I comes, when it's time to read Chronicles, I'm reading nine other things in addition to Chronicles. Right. And so I get a chapter of Chronicles every day a little bite at a time, a little, you know, bite-sized piece at a time throughout, you know, however long it takes to get through Chronicles. It's been a minute since I read Chronicles, but you know how many, right. many chapters it is. Um, and so then you're reading the the Israel phone book, you know, but then there's other, Absolutely. you're in other passages at the same time. And I find that to be really helpful just because there's different things going on. And so there's, there's going to be parts of scripture that speak to me, you know, on certain days more than others. And I, and I think that's okay. But yeah. um, one, one tool I find to be really helpful um, is to get a, a reading plan, like maybe off the Uversion Bible app. Oh, sure. Um, and, and to use that. And, and I find if you, if you use some kind of a reading plan that really, that helps keep you accountable. I mean, like that you can even like sign up for an online account and you can make friends and like make it a social thing and other people can see what you're reading and you can see what other people are. I don't do any of that. I don't want yeah. anybody to know what I'm reading, but, um, but that's just kind of the way I am. Um, but I just, if you've got, if you've always got something to read, if you always have a plan, you never run into that thing where you're like, well, I'm just going to let the, the Bible drop open and read whatever pops open. That's oh, yeah. what the Holy spirit wants me to read today. Right. Um, I have, I have encountered a lot of students over the years that have tried to read the Bible with the, the, you know, kind of open and close your eyes and right there. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not saying that God can't use uh, scripture reading that direction, but that's definitely not a best practice. Um, having a good idea of um, what the scripture is teaching is a much better place to, to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would highly discourage students from ever reading a single Bible verse uh, with a small asterisk on you know every once in a while a proverb can pop out and it can kind of be its own little, uh, its own little statement in itself. Um, but for the most part, a good practice for, um, for anybody that's wanting a deeper relationship with Christ and a better understanding of scripture is don't allow some apps verse of the day to be your only Bible reading. Gotcha. Um, don't, if you see something online that said, did you know the Bible says this and it's one verse uh, do yourself a favor, find that verse and read the chapter that's around it and have an understanding of what's going on in that passage. And so I think that there are a lot of good practices that you can pull away from Bible reading. We're going to read Bible very differently. You always do the, um, I call it the shotgun approach where you kind of take a shot and it, it spreads all throughout scripture. And I'm more likely to be the person that kind of sits and stews and Mm -hmm. simmers. And I might read a passage or 
uh, a certain scripture set 300 times. Oh, wow. And yeah, I don't have the patience for that. And just sit there and kind of, I'll sit in it and I'll sit in it and I'll sit in it. And uh, what are you reading today? Well, still in James, you know, and uh, I might, I might stay in James for months at a time, just kind of slowly uh, slogging my way through it. But um, I think that it's a good practice to have kind of a, a both and approach. Like you want time of deep study and meditation on God's word. And you also want to have a decent idea of the scope of scripture mm-hmm. of what all it says. Um, and I, I think that, you know, between you and I, if you put our two strategies together, um, it would probably be best practice. Right. Um, and that's just, that's kind of the way it goes. Nobody's going to end up being perfect in it. Right. Um, but the point is to hide God's word in your heart, that's old right. Testament, new Testament to know God's word and know what it says, know how it guides you, uh, know how it, it leads you in your life, know what it says about the world, know what it says about the culture. And, uh, you'll be surprised at how much God's word is applicable for today, for your life, for your family, for the community, for your church. And uh, if you're going to be a church that is truly scripture centric, uh, that is truly spirit filled, I think it's got to start with that scriptural foundational piece of old and new Testament, the whole authority of the word of God Um providing everything you need for life, righteousness, godliness. And um, I think that there's nothing better. Well, Pastor Jonathan, I think that is a great word to end on. Yeah. I wanted to say thank you so much for coming and sitting down with me today. And uh, I want to say thank you to uh, our viewers and listeners. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Heights Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heights podcast. At Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. We worship every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at our Alvin campus, and we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m. We also live stream our weekly worship services on Facebook and YouTube. To find out more about Heights, follow us on social media or go to heightschurch.org.